Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and I am joined by Ryan today for what is essentially a special edition of our flagship show because it is also a joint post-game show for Germany's 4-1 loss to Japan. So before we get into it, let me just ask Siler, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, bit of an interesting night, this one, but I think we can figure that out over the course of today. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing great. At least someone is doing great here because, my goodness, what did... So just for context, we are recording this literally minutes after the game just ended. So I'm I'm still struggling to process what I've just seen Germany do. You know, it is absolutely absurd. And I don't even know what to say after this game. I know that Flick has to go. I think it's like there is nothing else you can say about that. But what actually went wrong? Like, Salah, can you give me... Like, can you give me an analysis here about where everything started going wrong for Germany? Like, starting from the lineup, maybe? I don't... My brain is still in the fuzz, so you, you do it for me, please. Yeah, there was a very clear sort of system that Flick wanted to employ, which was trying to utilize the midfield box, which we've seen popularized as of late. Um, Obviously, Pep Guardiola's done it, Deserbi's done it, Klopp is doing it, Arteta's doing it. The midfield box is... Uh, the way to go for football now and Flick tried his own experiment with it with Kimmich inverting into the middle and it just didn't work. The team was all over the place with its automatisms. There was zero urgency from the back. The defenders were extremely poor both on the ball and off the ball. Um, I think I defended Schlotterbeck uh, in the yes, staff slack chat did. yesterday and I was exposed. <laughs> I was yes, exposed in Schlotterbeck. Fraud watch for today. Rayan today. Yeah, uh, I'm on. I'm on. I am on fraud watch. To be fair, after that performance, uh, even Zula was poor. Rudiger had a couple of moments, but yeah, no. Defensively, the line just isn't there. There's no identity to the defense. The midfield doesn't know how to progress the ball. The attackers are completely lost. We never got the ball into the box. I watched the entire second half, and not once did we get the ball into the penalty area without it being a cross that you know didn't lead to anything. It's it true, was and completely disjointed. Yeah, and honestly, like. I, I don't know what to say because you mentioned that the plan was to have a midfield box. Now, for me, that's pretty surprising to me, honestly. I can see how that plan could have worked out. But Kimmich, as his role today, he didn't really invert all that much. I honestly thought that his performance as a right-back today was neither a proper inverted right-back role, nor was it really something traditional. He seemed to be caught somewhere in between. And it's something emblematic of the re- confusion that you see on the faces of the players when they're playing for Germany right now, that they don't really seem to know what their roles are. Like Kimmich, for example, as I said, he did not seem to be in any kind of defined role that would make the midfield box function. Then there was the actual team off the ball. I, I don't understand. Like This is a Hansi Flick team. Where is the press? There is no pressing. They don't seem to know where to go when Japan had the ball, which is, I think, a damning indictment of a person who has been in charge for... Uh, how long has Hansi been in charge for now? I think it's well over a year now, isn't it? Uh, two years now, actually. Uh, two years now. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, my God. I-, I just forgot how long it's been. And, like, there is nothing in this team that resembles something that you would expect from Flick, which is, like, a well-drilled Germany, or what we remember as a well-drilled Bayern side. It's just, like... It goes beyond the personnel at this point, and I don't think that Flick's 
setup itself was a bad idea. But I think the players have just stopped responding to the manager. Before the game, you had this banner from the Germany fans saying, like, it's now or never. And I think that that kind of pressure on the players, it really showed on the pitch today. They really looked like a team that was no longer able to play for the coach. You see these signs when, in a, for example, a club team, the team absolutely checks out before, like, a major loss or something, which leads to the sacking of the coach. That seems to be what's going on with Germany right now. And if Flick gets sacked after this, it's going to be more like what happens at the club level where a string of bad losses leads to a sacking. This is not normal for a national team setup where it's usually only after a tournament that coaches get sacked. Do you get that vibe from Germany that like the team has kind of checked out on Flick? Yeah, it's almost overwhelmingly nothing from the team. It's... That's the best way I can describe it. It's deafening silence from the team mentally. They seem completely gone. And it's very unlike a Flick team because Flick's main strength as a coach has always been his personality. He's always been able to motivate his players, even when his tactics haven't been very advanced. Like even at Bayern Munich, the tactics with which he won the sex tackle, they weren't anything innovative. They weren't anything very particularly intriguing. It was a very simple 4-2-3-1. It was just the fact that everyone knew what to do Everyone wanted to play for him and everything just came together really well. And we're seeing the complete opposite of that here where Flick is trying to be tactically innovative, but he just doesn't know what direction to go in. We saw this even, you know, after the Euros where every game Flick was changing something here and there. None of it was really working because nobody knew how to respond and react. And that's just continued. The cycle is perpetuating. The midfield box experiment is just the next in a long line of failed experiments for Flick. It's it's strange, you know, that Flick had to experiment all this much because as far as I can tell, like Germany shouldn't have needed this much experimentation. In the end, hasn't he come back to where he started, which was a 4-2-3-1 with a striker, two midfielders, etc., etc., the way it usually works? Like all that seems to have changed is the personnel on the pitch. And well, honestly, it doesn't feel like Germany has anything resembling the talent to actually I don't want to say that Germany deserved to lose to Japan based on talent, but it's just that it doesn't feel like Germany has the talent to execute anything at the moment. And that's, I think, very damning for the coach, because if the players look this bad in any kind of setup, then it comes back to him, right? Like, if everyone looks this bad, I think only Leroy Sané can say that he had a good game. If everyone looks this bad on both ends of the pitch, if the midfield is poor, defense can't stop conceding chances, and the attack can't create anything then, yeah, it's it's on the coach. And can he turn it around? Like, I'm really honestly don't... asking, like, what is left to try? I don't, I really don't know where you can go tactically from here because it seems like no matter what he does, the players don't perform. Because literally two weeks ago, or even not even two weeks ago, a week ago, Robin Gosens was having the time of his life at Union Berlin. Nico Schlotterbeck put on a masterful performance with Borussia Dortmund. Pascal Gross is one of the best players in the Premier League, full stop. These are players who are insanely good for their clubs. It can't be coincidence that their performances are all, you know, collectively dropping when they come to the national team. There has to be something going on. And I think there really is no way back for Flick at this point. He's done enough, you know, tactically. He's not really getting anywhere with his ideas. We have to get a fresh mind on this. I agree. I, I honestly have to agree. Do you want to do a game recap or do you think that's completely unnecessary? 
I think the, I think everyone's seen the game at this point. It was very painful to watch. Yeah, the recap um, would consist I'll... of. I, I don't Some know what to say. Point. I honestly don't want to say when the recap because don't you think it's it's one of those things that Germany actually the first ten minutes were pretty pretty decent and then it just happened it 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 they went down one nil and it was down to like who, who was that guy again I think it was Ito on the right side of Japan's attack who went past Schlotterbeck yeah, and yeah. then yeah Schlotterbeck really had a poor game and then it became one nil. I think they made Sane scored maybe 10 minutes later. And that was the one positive thing from Germany today, that that goal by Leroy Sane with, I think, Wurtz getting the assist. And the problem is that Japan literally equalized seconds later. And after that, it just it just did not look like Germany were going to score. It It's kind of like it was the mentality of the team. Once they conceded that second goal, it did not seem like they could come back and compared to what we know about Flick, remember his second season in the Bayern, he had a problem with conceding goals regularly, but his teams would always fight back and show the mentality to come back and maybe get a draw or even all three points. That is completely absent from this Germany team. And I don't know how much of this we can really blame on the coach at this point, because to me, there does seem to be like some kind of very problematic I don't know, aura around the German team that makes even good players play poorly. As you said, Pascal Gross and et cetera, et cetera. They, they, this is not their level, really. Yeah, and I, I think that more than uh, just the player performances, you have to look at the fact that the attack has no identity. At Bayern, Hansi Flick had a very clear attacking plan and it showed. The attack was lightning quick. They all knew where to be. They would get the goals. But today, Germany had 68% possession. And somehow Japan got as many shots on target as Germany had shots overall. That is a damning stat. And you have to look at the fact that there are no real combinations. When we were analyzing the predicted lineups yesterday, the only play that any of us had come up with was when I said that Leroy Sané probably makes a run in behind and Wurz finds him after a link-up tight. And that's where the goal came from today. But other than that, there is no other partnership in this team at all. There is no movement. There is no dynamism. There is no connection anywhere across the front four. And that is that is embarrassing for the team that has this many creative talents and this many offensive talents. It is. It is. Honestly, like this is. It it feels worse than that six one or was it six nil loss to Spain under Joachim Lowe because back then you could just pin the blame on Ler and say he's he's kind of just lost the plot, etc, etc. But right now, I'm genuinely struggling to think of where Germany go from here. Like, do you think that hiring someone else after Flick is going to fix this? Well, I mentioned it earlier, but mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this on a podcast with Samran as well a few weeks ago after the Columbia game, but if only Germany had access to a coach, you know, who's experienced with playing without a striker and, you know, has an actual clear tactical identity and doesn't rely on personality, but rather relies on automatisms and getting his players to play together to win. Yeah, oh, Thomas only. Tuchel. Okay, I'm in favor of that. Tuchel could go too. I don't mind that as long as we get yeah. back. I, I really don't mind that. Oh my god. Okay, we are going. We are veering into the realm of fan fiction, but maybe let's let's discuss both of them. You uh, you are obviously talking about Julian Nagelsmann. Do you think Julian Nagelsmann does actually fix this? Uh, yes, but I don't think he would accept the job. Why wouldn't he? Just doesn't seem like the right project for him. I don't think Nagelsmann will go to a national team anytime soon in his career. 
Well, the Euros are literally next year. There's not much time left. He could come in, and if he does well, he could immediately win something. Well, that's the thing. I don't think Nagelsmann is the type of coach to go for a project that uh, looks for instant success because Nagelsmann is a project coach. He looks to build teams from the ground up. He did that at he- Hoffenheim. He built a really tight unit of players like Mark Oot and Andre Kramaric. These guys were, you know, experienced with each other. They came up together and that's how they played well. Same thing happened at Leipzig. He tried the same thing at Bayern, but of course he wasn't given enough time. Fair enough. I guess that would rule him out. What about what about the other options that are... I'll leave out Tuchel for now. I guess we will talk about him later. But what about the other options? Oliver Glasner? Oliver Glasner would be fantastic. I think he would get the team going quite well. But would he accept... That's the question, really, because I feel like the German national team job is a bit of an albatross at the moment. Like, if you accept that, you are most likely to be doomed. And if you're not, then it'll be amazing for your career. But it's it's a massive risk. It's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like taking over a team like Chelsea or Man United, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a massive risk. But if it yeah. pays off, then, I mean, you're in the annals of history. Exactly. It is... How did it get to this? I, I, that's really the question that we're going to have to ask, right? How did it get this bad for Germany? Because the World Cup was, what, nine, uh, ten months ago? Germany did not look this bad during the World Cup. Why did it get worse? Yeah, it's just, it's impossible to pin down what it really could have been. But I think after the World Cup disaster, Flick just went into overdrive with trying to, you know, fix things and, you know, I, Almost, he kind of seemed uh, to he he kind of seemed to lose faith in himself after the World Cup. Honestly, I think yeah, that would be the the way to put it really because he came into the World Cup still running the four two three one and still running with his you know players. And after it didn't work, he realized that you know he had to at least make it appear like something had changed, even if something hadn't. And it just it didn't work because he kept changing things based on you know very. Uh, I have to say abstract tactical theories. This is this is gonna get a little uh, woozy and a little. Go ahead. Uh, less... Look, we're all. If you're listening, if anyone's listening to this, they want us to go as deep as possible. So might as well. Yeah, um, Hansi Flick's uh, tinkers have been very uh, entrenched in very abstract tactical theories. So he's looking at uh, player attacking zones and trying to figure out what zones are not being uh, used up that much instead of trying to focus in on where his players actually succeed. So what's happening is Germany are trying to cover every zone on the pitch instead of trying to cover the zones that they excel in. That's why we're trying the midfield box because in the final third, it covers all uh, both wide areas, both half spaces and the center. But we just don't have players who are comfortable in those positions. Like Kai Havertz is not a guy you would put as a number nine in the center. Kai Havertz is someone you'd put in the half space between the lines to try and create something. Kai Havertz is someone you'd put as a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1 to roam from side to side. These are not players that you want to put as the as the focal piece of an attack. Leroy Zane is not best used out wide on the right. He's used best in the half spaces where he can run in behind. The one time he got to run in behind, he obviously scored. Like... These are not playing to the players' strengths. These are playing to general tactical theory. This is not how we should be coaching the team. I think, yeah, you do definitely make sense with that. And it's now that you mention it, it does make a lot of sense given what we've seen on the team. It does feel like players are just put in there and asked to perform a role that they do not seem to be equipped for. And that is very much what happened to, for example, Schlotterbeck on the night itself because theoretically... There is no reason why 
Schlotterbeck could not have excelled as a slightly defensive-minded left-back in a 4-2-3-1 setup, where Kimmich goes forward and Schlotterbeck stays back. And in fact, this is similar to the setup that brought Flick a lot of success at Bayern, where he had Pavard as a more defensive right-back and Davies as a more offensive left-back. Right. But on the pitch, it simply did not translate. And it's because there was something missing from the player's own performance and interpretation of the role. And I need a little bit of time to actually process this, but it really does make sense that Flick, he's forgotten to think about tailoring his tactics to the players and instead is trying to find the right players to fit the tactics, which is the complete backwards way of doing it. And it's led to all these failed experiments and this, this current moment where Germany does not seem to have a way forward or a way back. There is no possible way to even dial back to a previous setup because everything has changed so much that like it's almost like starting from scratch every single game. And I have to point out that Hansi Flick's choice of personnel hasn't been ideal either when yes. not just in the starting eleven, but the, the squad itself, when players like Karim Adeyemi and you know uh, uh Robin Koch, Matthias Ginter, Jordan Bayer, Vitaly Janelt, Malik Theo, these are all players who are playing really well for their clubs. And even in the case of Vitaly Yanath, I'd say he's far better than Emre Chan as a number six, but he's just not getting the game time. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it's not even like uh, Chan is better for the system or anything because the system demands Chan to be possession recycling, ball playing number six, which he cannot do to the level that Vitaly Yanath can do. Yanath is a Brentford player. He's born and bred in the Brentford system to where he's always looking to play the ball around and looking to get into you know tighter spaces. Yanelt is good at progressing the ball. He's good at playing it sideways and diagonally. He's so much better than Chan. We have players like Karim Ediemi, who is so direct, who are so good in the final third, compared to players like Kai Havertz, who just do not know what to do when they get the ball and do not know where to be on off the ball. It just does not make sense to me why these players are getting picked over these other players. It's not like Flick's tactics are off for the personnel. The personnel themselves are the wrong people for the job. Well, to be fair to Flick in certain respects, for example, Adiemi, he's not doing too great for Dortmund recently, is he? Like, would you expect him to come into this Germany setup, which is already struggling for goals, and then expect him to be the guy who can make something happen up top? Because I don't. I think the only way for him, for Flick to do something with this team is if he had a striker. And of course, we know what happened. Full crew got injured and he called up Thomas Muller, which is again, another one of his blunders because we saw Muller subbed in at the last final 20 minutes or so. And he could not do anything with the ball because as we've said, it's not just personnel, but what Flick does with the personnel. If Thomas Muller is a very good player and I am a member of the Muller cult and Muller mafia, but putting him as a striker against a team that by that point was playing a low block in the case of Japan, it's never going to result in goals. I do not know why the stadium was just cheering so hard when he came on and cheering whenever he got the ball because I just knew that nothing was going to come off it. This is not the kind of game that someone like Muller, for example, would excel in. Why does Havertz keep getting all these chances as a number nine? He doesn't play well for Arsenal. If Flick watches Arsenal for even five minutes, he will see that. He And it's not necessarily his fault because he is not a true number nine. He's being played completely out of position. If you have to do these completely, I don't know, completely off-kilter setups, right, then maybe go with, and I understand that Flick maybe wants to stick with certain players that he knows, but even then, you have to, like, change things, something around. Like, for example, why do we never try Serge Gnabry as a striker? That's just an example, right? 
why does uh, why did Malik Tio, who was so good in the last international break, why was he immediately dropped for Nikola Sula? Like these are one those things as as you've said around flick that makes it so hard to evaluate his tenure because like in spite of all the experiments and in spite of all the talent that Germany has run through and trialed in the two-ish years that Flick has been in charge, it still feels like there is a significant amount of performance being left on the table and a significant number of options that have not exactly been tried yet. Now, it's just hard to articulate what those are because it, it genuinely feels like Germany have nothing to build on. There is no basic thing where we can say, yes, this is working. Let's build the team around that. That is a very core problem here, which Flick as the coach was supposed to solve and he has not done it. I think, yeah, it's pretty much exactly what you said. I have to agree with most of that because yeah, Flick just doesn't realize when he needs to change something until it's glaring him in the face. And that's that's just not the way to go about it. And you can see it. Think about the subs. All right. Today's Flick made some very late subs and it's kind of been um what should i say it's kind of been a pattern in my opinion most of his games i think in one of the games in the last international break he did make halftime subs but otherwise he generally does not make subs very early and it kind of just goes back to that same thing that he doesn't he doesn't seem to want to change anything and it's because he doesn't really seem to know what to change he doesn't seem to know exactly what he can change to bring the best out of this team he seems completely out of ideas and not for and for good reason because he's basically tried everything at this point and like if you put yourself in his shoes around the 60th minute okay germany were losing would what subs would you have made theoretically to turn the game around and compare it to what flick did can you say that he made the best subs possible no not even close but to be fair, the options on his bench weren't the ones I would have either. That is the exact problem, right? It's it's like 50-50 almost. Or is it 50-50? Is it, is it the blame more on the coach or on the players? I think the coach also has to take blame because he's not picking the right players for the bench either. We have players like Lucas and Mecha and Mergim Berisha and, you know, even uh, Jonathan Burkhardt and Denny Zunda. These are really good target men. We've seen them score some really good goals. You know, Denis Zunda for Union Saint-Gilois. Uh, obviously, Fulcrook is gone right now, but Lucas Amech has been good. Mergim Berisha has been amazing for Augsburg, and now he's at Hoffenheim. These are players who are experienced with goal scoring in tight situations like this, especially against low blocks. These are players who should be in the national team setup. There's no explanation as to why they're not there. If I was Flick, I would definitely have at least one, if not two of these guys ready to go. Exactly. And it would, like, even if they themselves don't score, just having someone of their profile would make the rest of the team so much better. Because in the first half, it felt like the team was just crying out for a striker. So many balls went straight across the face of the goal with no one going for them. At some point, you had, like, I don't know, it was Gundogan and Wirtz really just scrambling for the ball when there should have been a striker there instead. It's these rookie mistakes that honestly, like I know people will say that they kind of feel sorry for Flick because uh, this generation of Germany talent is not good enough. And we're going to talk about the talent later. We're going to talk about each of the players in depth and what they don't do. But Flick cannot be absolved of his responsibility when it comes to picking players, picking the tactics, picking the in-game subs and 
in general, the entire atmosphere around the team, it's all very confused, all very muddled. And that has resulted in, what can I say, a genuine level of toxicity around everything. Because I, I think the writing's on the wall now. I think the media smells blood. The report by Build said that if Flick cannot turn it around against France and Japan, then he is going to be replaced. Whether or not it is Nagelsmann, Glasner, or even Matthias Sammer as an interim, that is a question for another day. But if it it just tells you that the patience has worn thin, and realistically, what can I even say? Realistically, things are not going to change with this guy in charge. He's tried everything. He's done what he can. It's a complete failure. There's really only one question left to ask, I think, about Flick, after which we need to go on to the players. Do you think that his time at Bayern Munich was a one-season wonder? I think Flick's time at Bayern was very opportune because of the coronavirus break, because that break allowed the team to stay fit for every game. There was no schedule congestion, at least for that 2019-20 season, and that allowed us to play an extremely intense style of football every game. We saw during the 2020-21 season where as the schedule got more congested, the team began to completely fall apart with injuries. We managed to get the Bundesliga over the line, but everything else sort of just fell apart. And while I do think that Flick was uh, a good coach, an acceptable coach, he isn't somebody who could have taken the club forward long term because he was somebody who relied on his personal relationships and the way that he brought the squad together to win rather than some sort of tactical innovation and you know a smart way of playing football. Because his way of playing football was... Smart was is not the word I would use to describe it. I think it would be more of, I don't know, cunning death at high speed or something. Well, I'm going to partially disagree with you. I don't think necessarily that Flick would have been a long-term option, even back then. Because in my opinion, no coach is ever going to last more than three years at Bayern Munich the way we are run. But for me, Flick, when he was at Bayern Munich, it was perfect. It was, he did everything right, more or less. He had the players on his side. His tactics were very good, in my opinion. They may not have been the most complicated, super giga IQ, big brain tactics that you would see Pep Guardiola or someone use. They may not have been the most innovative, but they worked. And they worked especially for the players that he had at his disposal. It was a perfect fit. And in my opinion, the Champions League title that we won that year was not a fluke. It was almost written in the stars even before the pandemic shut things down. People were putting us as one of the favorites for the Champions League title. And in my opinion, like people tend to disregard this, but there was like a pretty significant stretch during the season itself where players were literally not able to train at all. They weren't even access to their facilities. If they had a home gym, that's what they used to train. So that's a pretty significant disruption that Flick had to have his players play through. Despite that, he got us playing some absolutely scintillating football, which if you look at it through any normally objective lens, that team was a good team. And that is just what I keep coming back to. The team, you cannot argue with what you see on the pitch. And Flick's Bayern Munich was the real deal. And his Germany team bear no resemblance to that whatsoever. I don't think that... Bayern wouldn't have won the Champions League in 2020 if the, if it weren't for the pandemic because Bayern were simply too good. They yeah. were lightning quick. They were just, they were insane. Like, I remember going back and watching the highlights from the Champions League run last week and it was unbelievable at times. I felt like I was watching football at 1.5x speed because they were so quick. 
And I don't think Flick can coach that into a team because it's not something that a team can learn, but it's something a group of players is just capable of. And yeah, in 2019-20, even before Flick, we were doing that with Kovac. If you remember the games against Spurs, we were yes. so quick. It's just it's just kind of the thing that the 2019-20, what happened with Flick and Bayern was a perfect storm of circumstances where the coach and the players just clicked together in a very specific way to make complete magic happen. And that magic is completely missing at Germany because those specific circumstances, well, they're not here. They're, they're completely absent. Flick, in my opinion, is still a good coach. And honestly, the way I see it, if he were to come back to Bayern, I think he would still be successful. But his time at Germany, in my opinion, has come to an end. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, uh, he has to go, Blood, and all that. Yeah, he has to go. It's time to go, etc., etc. I guess we will take a break here. And when we come back, we are going to rip apart every single player that plays for Germany right now, criticize all of their performances, talk about what's going wrong with the talent evaluation at one of the biggest footballing nations in the world, the biggest if you ask people who aren't Brazilian. And that is going to be our topic coming up so please do stay tuned and we will be back after a short break which is not going to be short for us because we have to wait nine minutes for zoom to actually reload our meeting so thank you for listening so far please stay tuned and we're back and as promised we are gonna have to talk about the talent that germany has available this generation now one of the major topics of contention around the coaching you know question is the fact that this German generation does not seem to have much talent to go around. And that is why Flick, Arlo, or anyone else who might take over in their stead in the future, they don't seem or they never will be able to get anything resembling a performance out of these players because they are just not good. And whether or not that's true, I think it's time to really address this argument. So, Rayan, are you ready to really talk about the German national team's talent? Base. Oh, I'm ready. I've got my notes. Oh my god, he's got notes. Okay, okay. So the way we're gonna do this, let's let's start from let's start from the top. No, not the top. Let's start from the bottom, which is the defense. Okay. Let's let's start with the defense. And I wanna talk about let's start with the players that started today against Japan. And here's what what I'm gonna say. Okay, and I'm it might be controversial, but I'm gonna say that if you start a defense that is fifty percent Borussia Dortmund players, that is not a good defense because there is something wrong with Borussia Dortmund and their German players. There is something that prevents them from performing to any kind of standard that is acceptable or expected when they come to the German national team. And we saw it perfectly on display with Sula and Schlotterbeck. Rudiger did not necessarily cover himself in glory. And Kimmich, as I said earlier in the podcast, he was sort of confused. But these two. I think that the Germany currently have more BBB players in the setup than I have ever normally seen them. And I think that's a problem. I think there is a link between Dortmund's issues and Germany's issues. And maybe I'm just being biased. Maybe I'm just being insane. Ran, you tell me what do you think about what I just said, really? Well, I think, well, I'm all for the Befa Wastelander. You do still have a point, like... The Dortmund players have been very unimpressive and mostly it's down to the fact that, you know, Edin Terzic does not really coach any sort of particular tactical style into Dortmund. It's a very flaccid style of play 
And honestly, the Dortmund players should feel at home in Flick's own flaccid style of play because the performances sometimes are very similar. Like Niklas Zula is almost identical in how he performs for Dortmund in Germany. But then we have players like Julian Brandt and Nico Schlotterbeck who are night and day across Dortmund and Germany. Nico Schlotterbeck is one of the best defenders in the league for Dortmund. And then for the German national team, he just, he just doesn't play well every time. And there's people who hear me talk about Schlotterbeck in a positive light and then they see him play for Germany and they think that, you know, I'm waffling and I, I don't enjoy that particularly. It happens, Sandler. Don't worry. Your fraud watch is starting today. But it, it is. Do you think that this is a problem with the talent, the club or the people calling these players up? What? Where do you think the problem lies? I think it's all three, really. Oh, man, that's, um, that's, that's a very difficult thing to reconcile, you know? Edin Terzic doesn't play the right system to develop players properly. He plays a system that relies on individual quality. And while the players involved have talents, they are completely unable to adapt to tactical systems that require them to function in certain roles. Either that or the national team coaches themselves are not sure of what roles to give them. I think it's a mix of both of those things and that combined with the situation back home, uh, back at their clubs, it complicates everything. It's a mix of all of these issues. There is so much that's going into this. There is no one way to fix what's happening here. We have to look at everything top to bottom. How much does Bayern Munich figure into this? Because it is quite interesting to me. This is the first era in the last 10 years, really, that Bayern Munich have a defense that is completely bereft of any German players. That, I think, says a lot, doesn't it? It's it's a damning indictment of the fact that Germany's defensive qualities have gone well down since the days of Mats Hummels and Jovan Boateng. We are not looking at German defenders at all. We look to get Armel Balakotchup, and while I will say that would actually be a very smart pickup and that Flick himself should look at including him, he's not close to you know the level of a Rudiger or a Schlotterbeck when they're at their best. But even when they're at their best, these are not players that you can rely on. These aren't reliable defenders. These are just defenders who are very good on their day. What we need are reliable defenders. What Bayern Munich wants are reliable defenders. And Germany doesn't have these. Exactly, because, yeah, that's the thing. And that's, I think, the entire crux of the argument surrounding this so-called generation of Germany players is that where is the quality? Where is Where are those players that a team like Bayern Munich, which is a team that wants to win the treble, the team that wants to be at the top of Europe, where are the players that a team like Bayern Munich will want to sign? There are a few. There's obviously Kimmich and Muziala, etc., etc. Right. The few players that are already at Bayern Munich, but where are the other guys? Because a few years ago, Germany, the players who were good enough to start for Germany, you would think that they were good enough to start for any team in the world. That is not the case anymore. Right. And that is probably the the thing that people are talking about when they say that the German squad has lacked talent. You said that Thul and Schlotterbeck, they are good defenders and not reliable. So who are we comparing them to? We are comparing them to someone like, say, Matthias de Ligt or Kim Min Jae or even Daya Dupin who, in my opinion, is better than any German defender right now. You know, so that is the entire thing that's going on here. It The same we can say if we move on our in our conversation to the midfield, you have Gundogan and Emery Chan. Gundogan just won the Champions League in Manchester City. He is a good player, right? But for Germany, he, in the setup that we saw, and in general, he's not the guy who's going to really make a difference. 
And he's not, in my opinion, good enough to really, this is going to be controversial, but in my opinion, he's not necessarily good enough to be a part of some of the better German midfields that we've seen in the past. Like he's no Bastian Schweinsteiger or Toni Kroos, in my opinion. And that is, well, that is, do you think I'm being unfair to someone like Gundogan? Because he's quite clearly a good player, but is he good enough? Is he good enough to say that this team should be performing much, much, much better? I think that Gundogan is a world-class player, but the way Germany use him just isn't where his strengths lie. When we see him play for Manchester City and even Barcelona now, he's playing in a very advanced role. He was playing as one of the attacking midfielders in the midfield box for Pep Guardiola. And even now for Barcelona, he's in a far advanced role where Gavi and uh, Frankie de Jong sit behind him. But at Germany, he's asked to drop almost plays, you know, a de facto six and recycle possession and move it sideways. And that's just not what you do with him. That's not what Gundogan excels at. He excels at being a goal threat from deep. He excels at making late runs. He excels at sitting between the lines and creating from there. You can't just put him in a different role and expect him to perform the same way. And I do agree that Gundogan doesn't belong in those top midfields because he simply hasn't shown that level of performance in the national team. It is the thing. And as you said about Gundogan's roles in his club teams, is that a valuable role for a team like Germany? Because they already have talent for an advanced role. For example, someone like Jamal Muziala, Florian Wirtz, Thomas Muller, who could play those roles as well. And in my opinion, would probably excel even better than Gundogan. Or if you're looking for something like late runs into the box or a physical presence in midfield, you have someone like Leon Goretzka, who wasn't even called up by Hansi Flick, which was, in my opinion, just a ridiculous decision by him. But anyway, so it kind of makes you wonder, what is a setup? Is there a good enough setup where Gundogan can really excel, given the talent that is around him in that national team? Or is he just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Like, he's a very good player, but maybe not the player that Germany needs. Do you think that's the case? I think that very much is the case because, yeah, as you said, going forward, we have better options. As a physical presence, we have better options. Defensively, we have better options. As a recycling role, we have better options. Kundagan is just kind of stuck between roles and he can't really figure out, you know, what side he has to fall on. And either way, he will lose some of his quality. He's far better employed in... Yeah, and once he's lost... Yeah, and once he's lost some of that quality, he's no longer a player who's worth sacrificing one of those starting 11 positions on the pitch for, again, the hypothetical level that Germany should be reaching as a top footballing nation, which they have not been for a very long time now. Speaking of Gundogan, what about Emre Chan? What do you think of him? Should not be in the national team at all. Uh, yeah. I don't know what he's doing there. Exactly. It's, it's honestly, it baffles me, first of all, that Emre Chan was at Liverpool. He went from Liverpool to Juventus. And from Juventus, he's gone to Dortmund. This is this is an all-star career. Okay, for a guy, in my opinion, who has never been all that good, that's number one. Number two, he got immense praise for his performances last season. And I watched him. And whenever I watched him, I was never impressed. That's number two. Number three, people seem to see him as a potential solution at defensive midfield or whatever people seem to think a defensive midfielder is nowadays. This is a completely different topic, but I know that Rayan knows what I'm talking about here. For Germany, anyway, people think that he's a solution there. I have no idea where this idea has come from. That's number three, I hope. Number four, he's the captain of Borussia Dortmund. Where is his leadership? Where is his leadership for the German national team? What is going on? And number five, who 
are the options that could have been played instead of him. Obviously, there's the option such as Yozio Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, but other lesser-known options. That, I think, is a better option question to ask you than someone like me who barely watches football these days sometimes. Well, um, I mentioned two names earlier, which were Vitaly Yanel yeah. from Brentford and Anton Stark, who plays for uh, Hoffenheim, I think. He was at Mainz last yeah, season. Stark was with... uh, called up, I think, once, but he never got a chance. I don't know what was up Yeah. He's amazing. He's a really good presser. He's an active ball winner and he looks to get the ball from his defenders. He's the right person. But I think the perfect player to take over the deep role is Maximilian Arnold. He is so, so good. Anyone who's watched the Bundesliga for the last few years knows. Why does Maxi Arnold doesn't... Why does he not get called up? Do you have I don't know. It, It blows my mind because he's such a unique profile. He's got really smart passing. He can pick up the ball from his defenders. He's almost got that presence of, if you remember Thiago in Bayern Munich in 2020 yes. under Flick, he would sit between the centre-backs and progress the ball really well with some really smart passing. That is what Arnold is for Wolfsburg when he needs to be. And it's what he was a few years ago. He's really good at that deep role. And on top of that, he's a proper set-piece sticker. I know we have Leroy Zane, but... I mean, we need some variation because Zane just doesn't seem to work sometimes. He gets really unlucky. We have Arnold. He can cross the ball really well. He can take corners. He can take free kicks. This guy is really good. He is yes, the solution yes, to the I know. deeper area. And therefore, you've given me options here. And I agree, those are good options. So therefore, why is it that German coaches seem to come back to these guys, Gundogan and Chan? Flick has his own issues, I agree. But... Do you think that there is something going on a little bit behind the scenes that causes these senior players, these players who have been around the block for a long time, to keep getting chances? Do you think that, because I get that feeling that for whatever reason, coaches seem very reluctant to go out of their comfort zone in Germany. They always seem to call up the same few players. And the only time someone seems to make a breakthrough into the German national team setup is when they make a big transfer to a team like, for example, Bayern Munich, which happened very recently, no, not recently, but more or less a long time ago, before the 2000 infamous 2018 World Cup, you had guys like Sandro Wagner and Sebastian Rudi randomly get added to the German national team setup only because they were at Bayern Munich at the time. So it feels like to me that the, it may be a conspiracy theory at this point, but the German team's selection and the way call-ups are handled does not seem to be completely egalitarian. I think it's more down to the fact that the coaches and especially the BFL board, they're looking to have some sort of um, almost recognize, you know, recognize... Le- leadership group. Okay. A, yeah, a I, leadership think that group. Is, that, I think that is true. But like, are these guys part of a leadership group? And doesn't there come a point when performances trump leadership? I think they do. And I think we are way past that point. Yeah. There has to be something that's done about it. Yeah. I guess that's going to be one of the things that the DFB will have to tackle. The attack. Um, We talked about the midfield. So do you want to talk about the attack? The attack is an interesting one. We've got some players that definitely deserve to start, but couldn't. And then we have, obviously, the big hole up front where there's just, we have no idea what to do about it. But I think Leroy Zanes amazing. I think he is genuinely one of the best players in the world. Uh, even in a flaccid system like today, he managed to get a goal because him and Vets are just, I mean, what are they? We have players like Gnabry who require a sort of system to work in that they can, you know, move around in. We have players like Fulkrug. We have players like Fulkrug who will do well, but obviously he was missing today. But I think we have to look at 
an actual system that works for our attackers because at the moment what it feels like flick is doing is he's just putting names forward and he's letting them figure it out and that's not the way to go we have to have clear partnerships and clear interactions so i would say we look to get a right-footed player on the right we look to get a left-footed player on the left we have somebody who's good at using the half spaces in the middle and then we have a target man up front we have to have clear roles in attack and i think that would be the best way to go about it so the way you're saying it in my opinion it seems to be like you're saying that the talent is not the issue as far as the attack is concerned because the players themselves are pretty good or at least the players that start are pretty good they just need to be put in the right system does that really yes. apply to for example the guy who keeps getting called up kai havertz does it really no. apply to someone like him it yeah. does not apply to him but i don't think the system for today was meant for him the yeah. way it was set up it very much looked clearly like was, it was meant it clearly for looked like world. yeah for a true striker is it a problem that germany don't really have a backup for Fulkrug. Who would you... You suggested, I believe, well, Lucas Mecha and also, who was the other one? Megan Berisha. And actually, Berisha. my top choice would be Dennis Undav because he's been very good for Union Saint-Gervais. These guys, I guess, they should be considered because I, I really have nothing to say because it's just baffling to me that Germany, a very wealthy first world country that is completely obsessed with football, they can't come up with some elite-level striker talent. Even Niklas Fulkrug, who we say is, we almost look at him like the savior. He's good, but he's not that good. He's not Harry Kane. He's not Kylian Mbappe. He's not Randall Kolomwan. He's not Robert Lewandowski. He's not that level of striker, right? And it's kind of baffling to me that Germany don't have this. And you can even, you can even, like, if you talk about this, it comes back down to talent coming through the youth setup and how that is going through. Germany have traditionally had a problem at striker for a very long time, but it's never been this like it's never been this sparse at the top in my opinion. What is going on? Can you tell me do you have any insight on what is going on with Germany as far as I don't know just developing talent is concerned because it feels like the well of talent that was coming through almost 10 years ago it seems to have completely dried up. It felt like there was Instead of what was projected to be a long period of dominance, it became, I don't know, it just became a case of a golden generation. Well, we have to look at how teams develop their youth. And the way they develop their youth is they look to imprint their own systems upon the players that they have. But what we see in Germany is that most teams tend to set up with a 3-4-2-1 or actually a two-striker system sometimes. And what that does is it creates systems where we don't have a true number nine because the 4-4-2 often relies on a two-man partnership. So we have players like Marvin Dutch and Niklas Fulkrug who work best playing with one other person. Or we have the 3-4-2-1, which has a system with three very narrow forwards. And it's not a true number nine system because usually the player in the middle actually drops deeper to let the other two run off him. And we can see that because most of the attackers that we have, you know, players like Leroy Zane, Serge Gnabry, Karim Adeyemi, Timo Werner, um, Mergen Berisha, Thomas Muller, Jonathan Burkhardt, Kevin Follan, all of these guys, they're all very comfortable playing in a 3-4-2-1 or in a two-striker system or as a 3-4-1-2. But these are not systems that allow for a true number nine. Yeah, and the you're basically that just saying that nine, by definition, Germany has become like a factory for these for players that are almost like second strikers or players that yes. love to play off the off a real target man, which is fine in a club setup where you can just buy a real target man and then have yes. your guy 
go completely ham, but it is crazy in a national team setup that you essentially have a multiple multiple people for the same role, which is like how do I even describe it? That Germany have almost a glut of attacking midfielders and wingers, but no real striker. And it's not like you can just put four wingers on the pitch and expect the system to work. It just doesn't work like that. So it's like a very unique issue. And I don't really see any kind of real solution to it other than some kind of concerted effort by the DFP to really, what would you even say? How do you actually encourage a country to develop strikers? Is there some kind of system that you can put in? I don't know. I really don't know. But right now, I think that people will agree with me when I say that Germany are in need of some kind of revamp in terms of everything, in terms of how the country develops its youth. I think to extrapolate on the striker problem a bit more, we have to look at the four best clubs in Germany, mm-hmm. which if you look at Union Berlin, they have Geraldo Becker and they have, or they had Jordan Sibachu, neither of whom are German. Um, Bayer Leverkusen have Victor Boniface and Patrick Schick as his backup. Neither are German. We have RB Leipzig, who have Benjamin Sheshko and Andre Silva. Neither are German. And then we have Bayern Munich, who have Mati Stel, Eric, Chup- Eric Maxim Chupomoting, and Harry Kane, none of whom are German. Well, technically, that should tell you German. enough. I mean, he plays for Camerun, he plays so he's for not Cameroon. available to it the would be, team. It would be great if Chupo was German, wasn't it? Like, if he oh, played yeah, for Germany, yeah, because that it, would, it be, would, that be, would perfect. be perfect. It would just be perfect, right? It would be completely... Would have won the World Cup. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. It would have solved all of the issues, and he plays for Bayern Munich, so Flick wouldn't have had any issues just putting him on the pitch. And there, it, it all, all problems solved. But yes, and it kind of goes back to the same thing. Like we talked about in the defense, Bayern Munich does not have any German defenders. The top four German clubs do not employ a German striker. Therefore, is this a talent issue for the manager? I think it's a talent issue, but it's the most basic kind of talent issue. I think in the modern game, every coach should be able to be forgiving enough or compromising enough of the tactics to be able to figure out how to change a team based on one missing profile. And if you can't do that, then you need to reevaluate your system. So I'm going to say I'm in two minds about this. So first of all, going through what we've said today, it's very obvious to me that Germany's current generation is not as good as previous ones. That's We can both agree on that, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So Germany's current generation is not as good as previous ones. But despite that, it would be the onus would be on Flick to figure out a system that is good enough for certain performances. Because in a national team setup, you're, you are bound to have certain holes in certain places. And it's always been the job of the coach to find plugs for those holes. Even the year that Germany won the World Cup back in 2014, you had someone like Benedict Howardes playing left back, which is not his normal position. But he kind of just came in there and he had to play there because Germany did not have anyone better for left back. The only other option would have been someone like Philipp Lahm, who was needed at the right back spot. So. In essence, it does come back to the coach, but it also, like, I I just have to ask, like, is the talent good enough for what the German public or the Germany fans on the internet expect? Is the talent good enough to challenge the likes of France or, I don't know, at least get to the knockouts of a major competition like the World Cup? Is it good enough to do that? I think in terms of ceiling, Germany are probably one of the top, four teams in the world, national teams in the world. 
And that's saying something because the team just is not performing at anything close to their ceiling right now. And if you look at the squad now and the squad back then, in 2014, our leaders were, you know, a 28-year-old Manuel Neuer, a 29-year-old Bastian Schweinsteiger, a 30-year-old Philipp Lahm, a 24-year-old Thomas Muller, 25-year-old Mesut Ozil, a 25-year-old Mats Hummels. If you look at the squad now, Zane is 27, Gnabry is 28, Kimmich is 28, Goretzka is 28, Rüdiger is 30, Fulkrug is 30, and he isn't even a leader. We have Neuer, who's still around at 37, Muller, who's still around at, uh, he's going to turn 34 in like a couple of days. And you can see the difference in quality between Kimmich, Goretzka, and Gnabry, who are 28, 29 now, and Schweinsteiger, Neuer, and Lahm, who were 28 to 30 back then. The generational gap and the leadership group is just not what it used to be, and it's affecting the entire squad structure. Definitely, definitely. Is it affecting it to the point that it explains the results that we're seeing recently? I think it explains the lack of squad harmony, yes. And the lack of squad harmony results in unclear tactics, which results in losing 4-1 to Japan. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it just seems to me that Germany's problems seem terminal. Like, if you get another coach after Flick, how is he supposed to fix it, right? Well, the thing with Flick is Flick relies very much on uh, social dynamics to try and get the best out of his players. And when you have a social dynamic that's as fundamentally broken as the German national team is, it only accentuates those issues. So I think a coach who is better at getting the best out of his players through tactical innovation or just simply playing a good brand of football, that would be far better for the team than someone who tries to rely on personal relationships. And again, I point to Julian. Julian Nagelsmann. Well, that's fair. But I would say that wouldn't that type of coach be the one most disadvantaged by having to be in a national team setup where all the players are used to playing different systems during their normal days and then they only meet up once every few months for an international break where they get like a few training sessions at the most? Isn't the, isn't, isn't the thing that we're asking for, for Germany to have, com- fundamentally incompatible with the international football calendar? Well, that's the thing. Uh, in Nagelsmann's mm-hmm. case specifically, the one thing that Nagelsmann never did was that he never tried to reinvent a player's role. He always looked to get the best out of his players by tinkering with the system itself. We saw that at Bayern when he played with a back three to try and get the best out of Kimmich going forward and the wingers coming narrower. And of course, Davies as a left wing back, left back hybrid. He never changed the way a player played, but he changed the way the system interacted between the players to try and get the best out of them. So I think he can still definitely make it work within short periods of time. And also in the case of Germany specifically, Nagelsmann has coached a lot of these players and he's coached a lot of these players during their formative years. If you look at, you know, his time at Hoffenheim, his time at Leipzig, his time at Bayern, he's already worked with these players before. So he knows what makes them tick. So it won't take him a lot of time to get accustomed to everything and he won't need a lot of time to try and, you know, rework systems. He will know what to do. That is fair. But I will have to point out that at Bayern Munich, when he got certain players that he asked for, players that he had already worked with, they did not really succeed under him. Some guys like Zapitzer, for example. So perhaps it's not as cut and dried as some might think. The way I see it, as we've said in, earlier in the podcast, this Germany team is so dysfunctional. It's kind of like a coach ch- stepping into, for example, the Man United or the Chelsea jobs. It is a poison challenge because... There are so many problems here to fix that it is a near impossible task. And any coach who decides to step into this quagmire at this point is almost guaranteed to fail no matter what their approach is. 
that is my view on this. Despite this, I still think it is worth changing the coach away from Flick because I think Flick is completely done for. I don't think, I, I just can't see him surviving after this. There is no way that even if they somehow manage to get a positive result against France, which seems like a complete fairy tale at this point, I just don't think that this experiment with Hansi Flick is worth continuing. What about you? Yeah, I think it's time to cut ties. Yeah, I think, I guess, I, I guess that's going to be our final point that despite the fact that Germany have seen a genuine decline in talent, there is a lack of leadership at the top and there are problems with team selection and, well, the actual talent available. Hansi Flick needs to go and he needs to be replaced by someone. Now, whether that someone is Julian Nagelsmann, Oliver Glasner, Thomas Tuchel, whoever it is, it needs to be someone new because what's going on right now, it is simply not working. Okay, I guess that's our final word. So this was me, I Need No Name, and Rayan, also known as Sadler, in our Bavarian Podcast Works special edition joint podcast, post-game podcast, and flagship. Thank you for listening for this very long podcast. I think we've recorded for over an hour now, even more than that, if you include the 10-minute Zoom break in the middle. You can find us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can find us on our blog where we have a superb, vibrant community, which is very much dedicated to discussing what is going on with Germany right now and is just as confused as we are. And you can find our brilliant analysis written by our writers, which, well, they're going to keep coming out. So thank you for listening. Please check us out. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever podcasting platform you use. Well, that's about it. Say good night, Ryan. Hi, everyone. And hopefully you guys sleep better than we do because it's nearly four o'clock now. Yeah, I, I still need to record and edit this. So this is not going to be fun. <laughs> anyway, thank I you, everyone. Term. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>